Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in Well, Hook Bay, Stacks and Jacks, I'm talking out. Matt Byrne on the board, S&P Futures down 22, NASDAQ Futures down 120. So used to saying down after such a long period of time of saying up, but now we're just saying down. Do we have Mr. Lou? Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, we're doing uh, we're doing well out here in Denver. Are you uh, so you have a place in Denver and you have a place up in the uh, in the hills? Uh yes. Well, there you go. So uh, we live we live in uh, the eastern side of uh, of Denver, near uh, near an old Air Force base that got closed and completely renovated uh, and rehabbed. That I would. I would consider it to be kind of a model for how to do something like that. Um, and then we have a we have a house. I think I've talked about this a house up at about ninety five hundred feet near uh, near the lovely town of Cripple Creek. What? Uh, how different was the remodel there than the uh, was it was the naval air state or the uh, air the station here? The air station here was it Glen something something? Oh, uh, you mean uh, the, the, was it Fort, whatever it was up north? Yeah, they still have the naval thing. Uh, the naval, yeah, the naval facility, the Great Lakes Naval Training Center is still there. It's a huge facility. Yeah, what was, what's the... There's uh, an old army, uh, the old army base, and I've dumped the name of it. No, there's, um, a, there's an Air Force thing there, too. That's where they used to stage for the uh, air show and stuff. Glenwood was... It was some summer air station. Oh, Glenwood Naval, Glenwood yeah. naval Aviation Station? Yeah. I, I don't I don't know Glenwood. I just know the army the army facility. Um, they, the 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 rebuild at Lowry was masterful in my opinion and, and done very intelligently. They they left a ton of green space. They they kept I think they kept one of the hangars uh, for uh, for storage space and things like that. They put up a couple of other buildings that kind of looked like hangars. Um, they kept some of the housing that was sort of classic, you know, old-style military housing for the officers. They kept that, renovated that. They went through and uh, just set up a rebuild on the single-family units, what are called the local you're, yeah, you're, you're, homes. You're, you're, you're wandering in and out. Can you shift spots there or something? No, I don't know what's going on, but AT&T has... Uh, 
has screwed up my my phone service right here for like eight ways from Sunday. Is this any better? Yes. So I moved six inches. <laughs> well, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Lolly, they 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 put up a mix of single real nice single fan homes up single fan homes probably in the you know five. Now you're 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 flying in and out again. Why don't you uh, give us a call back? Maybe it'll be better. Yeah, let's see. I'll call you right back. All right. I was reading the headlines here this morning, and uh, God, what <laughs> what headlines that suck! Bitcoin plunges below twenty seven thousand, erases twenty twenty one gains as crypto salt. Sell up intensified SoftBank Vision Fund posted a record $27 billion loss as tech stocks plummet. World's biggest stable coin has dropped below its $1 peg. Uh, stock futures lower as relentless selling continues on Wall Street from inflation fears. Um, so no, the news is not great and we ended up really down again yesterday after being up in the morning. I thought for sure we were going to get a bounce and, uh, I'm a little long for my people, even though I'm protected. And every day, it's just relentless here. It's not, uh, it's not good. Um, and we've got virtually everything down here this morning. I mean, every every down every place everywhere over two percent everywhere in Europe. Uh, the inflation number um, is is everybody continues to tell you we've turned the corner. We have not turned the corner. Uh, the I still don't quite get as we talked yesterday. Uh, uh, regarding how you would, how you would constantly seasonally adjust this number, but the, basically the number was 0.6 for the month, um, which I don't believe because the housing in there is nowhere near. So if you average the last um, the, the last uh, couple of months, let's see from March uh, eight, year over year we're 8.8, but I think last month was 1.3. So I think we're probably running at about a 12, 11 or 12 somewhere in there if you take the monthly numbers. Um, so that's the uh, that's that's what they're showing here. If you if you if you do the uh, uh, seasonally adjusted numbers, um, they were February to March was one point two, January to February is point eight. So if you look at those numbers and stick the point six in there, you're talking uh, two point six for for three months. So if you multiply that by four, you get ten point two, ten point four, which is right about sort of where I am. Uh, you know, so basically don't believe the 8.3 number. And I'm not so sure that my number is even low because the housing is somehow couldn't figure out how a way to get that in there. But it's, uh, it's pretty bad. And, uh, when you look at some of the numbers on some of these stacks, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at just for instance, Apple, um, the, sh- the shares outstanding in Apple are, are $16.4 billion. And I've got the stack. We have a little back. I'm just giving the unhappy totals here on, on Apple here, Lou. Some of these stocks that got so big, so valuable. I'm seeing Apple down from essentially one, say, call it 180 to 144. So that's what 36 bucks times 16 billion. That's like a real number. Um, shares outstanding. Let's go, let's go, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's 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 kind of crazy how 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 high this stuff got and. uh some of these companies that we used to, I mean, I never gave any any recommendations, but some of the stuff we used to talk about, Lou, I mean, the, the things that were just were going up on, on pure air, it was so much reminiscent of, of uh, 2000. Or, oh, yeah. And then it, I mean, it's this Peloton. Some of these companies were, the company's value is down from $39 billion to three. What, what, whatever possessed anybody to think that place was worth $39 billion? That's a hell of a lot of bikes. Just saying. I, I, 
you know, well, uh, we talked about irrational exuberance in the stock market before, and, and that's that always has seemed to me to be the be the marker for the fast run up on a lot of these on a lot of these shares. I, I mean, I when I was working with uh, with AOL as a as a client, I, I you know having a fair amount of information about what they were doing, I, I was surprised always at how how fast those shares ran up and how much value was in that company. And of course, like like a number of other internet bubble companies, then that all that all came crashing down. Yeah, it's really uh, it, you know, you, you want why, how does it happen again and again and again? I mean, the, the people not read or it's it's always the same. Let's let's pour money in the economy. It feels good. Everything everything seems great. People start buying. People start borrowing. And the Fed, who's supposed to be uh, dealing with uh, you know, the money in the pool. They're the ones that have all the statistics. So they know where every check's going. They always manage to miss this. I, I was talking to a few people. I, I don't think, I, I don't know if it's necessarily they manage to miss it. It's just that nobody wants to hear the bad news when they come out with it. And so they stop telling, they stop telling you bad news. They stop going public with their, with their, you know, recommendations, internal recommendations that say, if we dump four trillion dollars in, or, uh, yeah, four trillion dollars into this economy. We're going to light an inflationary spiral that, uh, that that that's going to that's going to be resolved. Just the only way to do it is with a recession. Well, and, I, and the associated the associated effects of a recession. And I I look at this baby formula baby formula shortage as a as a classic example of the kind of unanticipated consequences. That roll out from stuff like this, and you know, I, 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 my understanding is, by the way, that's a deliberate, you know, man or a government-caused crisis with FDA um, shutting down a facility. Uh, but, but you know, where, where is, where is the the where are the people in the Biden administration? Where's the minister? Where's the secretary of transportation? Where's the Where's the FDA chair? Where are these people who are supposed to be talking about this, telling us what's happening? You know, I I, I wonder if if uh, the the former mayor of South Bend has any competence whatsoever or what he's doing. Do, do they have any power, or do they just they just all figureheads and act like it? I, I, I can't I can't tell in this government. Uh, they have they have power. They've got tremendous regulatory power. Yeah, but how, how I just slow is it? Think huh? that they're not—they're not looking at how to do it, or, and I, I, I don't know whether they're—they're they're not getting information up the up the chain or whatever. I, I look at—I look at the look at the power CDC uh, wields or wielded. Well, and, they, they and, were you know, front and, and for, to, to what end? Where where are those guys, by the way? As we start know. looking at excess mortality figures from from twenty uh, twenty and twenty twenty one starting to roll in, where where is the you know, where's the Fauci expertise talking about why that that happened? There was there's never any blame. There's never any uh, review of the proceedings. There's never any sort of a post mortem that says what could we do better next time without really putting the blame out there. If you don't know what you did wrong last time, I mean it's the one thing about trading. <clears throat> I mean, you know, we I I know this year. I mean, uh, with the market down this much, I know what I've done wrong. It's it's very obvious. Uh, because nobody's perfect, and it's uh, it's right there in front of my face. Now the question is, could I really have done things any differently? Um, 
this one group I do a lot of uh, business for, they they like the idea of being protected, but they really, really, really want to belong to the market. And with the market being as volatile as it has been, the I I in in light of the desires of the client, which is what you know you, you do, uh, I was a little remiss in selling calls closer to the money than I normally would. And a couple times that that was terrific because we had these bear market rallies and I never got caught. Okay, so that that part was good. But now at the end of the day, the QQQs, for instance, uh, they're down 25% on the year, which is the NASDAQ, and I'm down 4, 4 to 5 for my people. Which on the one hand, you'd say to yourself, well, that's really a great performance, relatively. But I don't like to lose, Lou. <laughs> I mean, for, for me or my people. Well, now, why am I down for I mean, I, But I did because I erred on the side of being long because that's what the clients wanted to do. At the end of the day, if I, if I just was done exactly like I normally did, I'd be up a little bit. But it doesn't matter. I, mean, I, I did what, what, I, what I did because that's what people wanted me to do. Okay, so I protected but, them. But I, there's, uh, there's, there's accountability. See, this, this, yeah. is why, this is why this program is called Stocks and Jocks. Yep. Yeah. You you get you get a very clear picture of your performance in the in the financial markets every day. Yes, and and, and athletes do the same thing. I mean, I mean, my father, you know, a professional football coach, got a report card every week. You know, and and every week it was, did you did you do your job? And and there was no hiding. You know, the result was the result was on the field. And and so you know, I mean, I, I remember I remember him talking one year about the best coaching job he had ever done, where where four of the five starters uh, were out with injuries. They had something like you know thirty five or forty different combinations of offensive linemen, and he was shuffling bodies back and forth, you know, and they were they were moving people around, and and he said, you know, that was probably my one of my best years or best jobs of coaching. And yet the year was a failure because we didn't, you know, we didn't perform the way we should have, but we wanted to perform, um, and, and meet the goals that we set at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he just, he just noted that it, it's a, a brutally honest kind of profession where you have to step up and say, yeah, this was, this was my fault. Well, for whatever reason, we've got, I don't know if it's, I won't say it's the tweet world, because it was like this long before. There's this, uh, I, I never once, when I played softball, I wanted to be in a, always wanted to be in a real good league that challenged us. The thought of being in, you know, the Jerry's Kids League, where we, we went 10 and 0 every year and, th- and thought we were good, never, never intrigued me whatsoever. So I always wanted to play somewhere where if you played well, you won. If you played poorly, you lost. <laughs> that was, I mean, it's, it's not like I like to lose. I absolutely do not. But the point being is, most of the world, especially people who have never played any sports, have no concept that a, that a manager, if you look at the, the mopes around him, and he should be a 500 team, and all of a sudden he's a 600 team, the guy could have done a terrific job f- 10 years in a row, and he never won anything. But it, it does, doesn't matter. The, the guy the guy who won might have had you know nine Babe Ruths, should have won by 20 games, and he only won by 10, and he's an idiot. I mean, I mean you and I know that, but, but the rest of the world doesn't seem to have this grip at anything. Well, well, no, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think there is a fair amount of criticism, uh, 
leveled at, at Mike Krzyzewski at Duke uh, based on and, and some of the other you know some of the other senior or, uh, top programs who who get top talent and and don't and don't get high enough into the tournament that that they you know that meet the expectations with the talent level that they had they don't develop that talent the way that they should um, one, of, one of the and, and it may just be a function of the one and done thing that's developed in the last 15 years but I, I think that's a legitimate criticism of, of uh, Krzyzewski that, that he had he had you know some of the best recruiting classes in the country but you know only made the national championship five times well but you only that, that's another thing that always always it's not like I'm grading the population here I'm not but even even if you have the best team and this was one of the things that uh, our, our uh, what a character he was uh Lewis guy named uh, Dr. Kerm, C-U-R-M-E. He was our, our statistics professor. He also was like one of the top two or three handball players on, on campus, and, and he was a character. And he, one of the things he drove home about statistics, and you know, everybody, of course, we always had a good team, Eric Persigian there, and everybody was always pissed off if we didn't like win every game. And so he said, okay, all you guys that are pissed off we don't win every game, what about these guys? You know, we were playing Air Force. We got, what, a 0.9% chance of winning or 0.8. And you put them all in a row. You know, in those days, I think it was nine games. Even if you're like a terrific team, you've got like, you know, one in God knows what chance of, of going straight through. I mean, even, even if you are the, the best team, depending on the year, okay, even if, even if you're the best team, Shashevsky, uh, the chances of winning, what do you need? You need to win, what, two, two, and two. You need to win six games, right? The chances of winning—that's right, yeah. The chances of winning six games in a row, if you're even a point seven five chance of winning every game, is virtually what is it two percent? No, yeah, five percent. It, it's low. I mean, people have no concept of what it's like to to play five te- six teams in a row. Let's say the first round, they're not anywhere near as good as you, but after that, they're all somewhat on your level. <clears throat> even if you're a quote better, the chances of running off five are re- are really low, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's, in any event, that, that goes back to something that, that I, I always have, have referred back to, and that's Kipling. Uh, the poem, If. Yeah. And, and I, I remember, you know, it's one of my father's favorite poems, and I think for anybody who's been in, you know, a career in, in sports, or who follows sports closely, that, that poem encapsulates so much of, of what sports teaches us and, and what sports reveals to us about our, our character. And, and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I've been a big fan of it and I would say post it up there if you can post a link to it. Uh, because, because again, that kind of, that kind of measurement is, is inherent in, in sports. And, and of course that's, that's what's talked about in that, in that poem with its discussion of how you, how you meet, you know, wins and losses and, and how you you deal with uh, with adversity? You know what um, I spotted yesterday, Lou? Talk about a, a timing. I want to go through some of these uh, savings numbers here. We'll, we'll do we'll after the break because because uh, I, I want to talk to you about the the big lie is propagated on TV. But anyway, uh, I wanted I wanted to cover something you mentioned last week because I actually looked. Okay, it that's up. fine. We'll do that first. The, uh, the, but I want to give you guys Richard. Oh, have we got time? Oh yeah, we had we had time. But I was tell you what I was looking up yesterday. 
this this Derby thing is fantastic. This horse was a a thirty thousand dollar claimer, and he ends up winning. He wasn't in the race till Friday morning. I, uh, I saw that. In fact, he came out. They didn't even have time to switch his blanket. Yeah, so he came out with number twenty one instead of number twenty. And and if you if you watch the race, the the with knowing who's going to win, watching it from start to finish, I I was amazed at two things. Number one, the fact that the jockey immediately, you know, he was on on the outside rail. The jockey runs him into the back of the pack at the very end, but gets him into the rail as fast as he can right out of the start. And then the fact that the horse stays there. I mean, the horse is, is what, you know, 10 maybe lengths behind at, at the back of the pack as they come around the, the final turn. And then as he, as they, as they move into the, you know, into the stretch, he accelerates. And I, I'd love to know what his acceleration was, but, but he accelerates just, it's like the other horses are almost standing still. Well, you wonder if, you wonder the, if that rate, to the front. you wonder if that rate, you know this, I think some of the, uh, when you look at a 100 meter dash and people talk about the finishing kick, there is no, there is no finishing kick, Luke. There's none whatsoever. It's, you, you read, you, you make your, at the end of like 25 or 30 yards, every human being, even a big fat soul, whatever it is, you, you make your, your, your fastest speed, it's after like 12 steps. And after that, it's just a question of hanging in there. So when you see somebody in a sprint, Running ahead of the other people means the other people are falling back. So I, I'm wondering in, in horse racing whether or not it's the same thing. Is whether he still had enough enough gas to be doing his gallop, and the other guys were slowing down as part of it. I, I just I just watch him at. I, I, it looks to me that he's running at just. He accelerates. Oh, he, yeah. he, as somebody said, he finds another gear. He's drop. He's running at a, a pretty steady pace that keeps him at the back there, and then the jockey just moves him in to the to the inside. He creeps up on a couple of people, and suddenly there's an opening, and whatever that horse. He, it's not like he's running with the rest of the horses, or, or that they all suddenly slowed down. He accelerates yeah. through the opening. You'll see a running back. He accelerates through the opening and maintains the acceleration, and he bursts through that that bubble there. Maintains the acceleration all the way up to where he catches up with the uh, with the two leaders. And what was so hilarious is the announcer does not even pick up on that fact no. until until he's you know two or three seconds from crossing the finish line. His name was only mentioned twice: once at the beginning when they said where everybody is, yep. and once at the end where he, the guy said he won. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to the I've listened to the whole call maybe three times just to try to sort out. What they did, and, and I, I mean, God, I, I hope, I hope there's not. They didn't do anything to the horse that will get him DQ'd. Oh, I, I, was, I doubt it. I mean, he's that, a, that was uh, one of the most impressive kind of but, well, runs I've seen. These guys are, are total professionals, though. They've done this their whole life. How do you, how do you misjudge a horse to that extent to where the guy's a claimer? Well, well, he had raced. I mean, that's what's so weird. He had raced against. The, the leaders, uh, earlier in the year, he'd lost by 30 lengths to, um, to the, the favorite. So it wasn't like he was an unknown quantity. He'd raced and he'd, he'd never finished higher, I don't think, than third or fourth. 
he had run in what Cincinnati two or three days before. Yeah, but the, yeah, I guess I only learned this because of my my girlfriend's kind of horse crazy. But when it comes to three year olds, they're babies. As to why they don't race them at four or five, I have no idea. But I mean, if you own a horse, you don't even start riding a darn thing until he's what two and a half or three. I mean, these guys were already doing this at age three. I mean, they, the horses live to be what thirty. I think so. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, real quick, we've got to break the talk about the the worst timing ever in in, in sports is they me the they me the second fastest time ever in Derby racing. I mean, everybody knows what the fastest time was. This name you the second fastest. Yeah, I, just, I have no idea. I just gave you a big hint. Secretariat will set the record; it may never be broken. He only he only won by two lengths. The horse behind him was the second fastest time ever. Sham was his name. Wow! How do you? I have the second best time in history. It happened to be on the track the same day Secretariat's there. How's that for time? Well, <laughs> well that, that's like that, that's like the uh, you know the guy that the guy that has the. the the banner year, uh, but but the person who wins the uh, the you know the batting title is the guy who's you know hitting you know almost four hundred who, who has a year that just nobody you know nobody grasps it. it it's what, what's uh, what's his name for the Rams Cooper Cup? Yeah, you know the, the the second best receiver in the National Football League was had a had a year that would have won the the league receiving titles every other year in the last ten or twelve. But all of a sudden, this guy comes out of nowhere and, and takes everything. You know, the secretary would have beat this guy by fifty yards. That's how that's, that's the difference. I mean, it's like what it's a, uh, it's it's ten yards, a tenth of a second, or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's that's right. And and I mean, like, again, I I'm sure somebody's doing an analysis of this, but I would love to know what that acceleration was from from around the corner on the final turn to the. You know, to just before the finish. Well, not only that, if he and, then, if and he then of course, then of course, you know, the horse just just to reinforce the idea that hey, I'm I'm hopped up on something, starts biting everybody. Yeah, he was biting. <laughs> well, you know, the weird, the weird. Well, they they probably made fun of him when he lost. Whatever he's on, though, I want some S and P futures down sixteen. Nasdaq futures ninety eight. I'll be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Well, no stock jacks. I'm Matt Burn on the board. SP futures down 19. Nasdaq futures down 113. Not horrible today yet, but not up either. Dow futures down 35. Individual stocks. We've got uh, Disney at earnings last night. They're down 445. They're they're up after the earnings, but that didn't last very long. We've got Apple down another dollar ninety. We've got American Express down a dollar forty nine. The only green I see is Merck's up sixteen cents and uh 3M up twenty seven cents. So not much green anywhere here this morning. Um uh really any place. The Nasdaq's been one. Tesla's Tesla look at this. Uh Tesla traded eight eight oh nine ninety or something yesterday. It's seven fifteen today. That's that's ninety points for God's sake. I mean ninety five points. It's I mean it's Pretty much unconscionable, but it's uh, it's there. Over in Europe, uh, DAX down 245, 1.8%. FTSE down 146, 2%. around down 137, 2.2%. Pretty soon these 2 percents are adding up. Nikkei down 464, that's 1.8%. Shanghai sort of hanging in there, down only 3, call that flat. Hang Seng, bang, 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 down again. This thing's like whack-a-mole, down 444, that's 2.2%. Uh, yesterday... Dow was down 326, S&P down 65. The big loser, NASDAQ down 373, that's 3.2%. Uh, bonds down 8 basis points, 2.83. I uh, don't know if the Fed's putting money in or whatever, or just all this money that's being lost in the stock market is shrinking uh, shrinking some of the money supply. I wonder if the Fed has to put more money in just to keep it even. Uh, Bund down 13 basis points, 0.86. They were just over a point last week. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil. Uh, down 99 cents, 104.72. Brent down 117, 106.34. Natural gas down 24 cents, 739. Uh, Arbob unchanged at 367. We've got gold uh, down 690, 18.46. A long way from the 2000 it touched two weeks ago. Silver down 56 cents, 21.01. 
Copper down 14 cents, four, $4.06. The big story uh, is this cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, I guess, traded under 27000 but now it's back up to 28364 and again, we talked about some massive margin call if it gets to 22000 by MicroStrategy. And we had this uh, issue still going on with this uh, one of these uh, cryptos that tries to maintain the buck. And some of their assets are in Bitcoin, so they're having trouble making the buck. Matter of fact, it was under $0.40 cents last night. Uh, so that's not good. It's almost like these dominoes are lining up on this Bitcoin stuff. And you, I sure hope they don't all drop because there's a lot of money in there. Uh, after that, all great news, Matt. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, well, it's currently 6.37 a.m. on Thursday, May 12, 2022. Let's get you into sports real quick. In the NBA uh, semifinals, Bucks for Celtics. Uh, Bucks win 110-107. to 107. Warriors at Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzlies win 95-134. to 134. Uh, In baseball, Cubs win for a change 7-5 against San Diego Padres. Diamondbacks lose to Miami 3-11, and White Sox, White Sox game against Cleveland postponed due to a COVID outbreak affecting several Cleveland Guardian coaches. So that'll be, I believe that's uh, going back today. Uh, weather, uh, weather in Chicago, uh, uh, partly sunny, 73 degrees, 82% humidity, a high of 89 if you can believe it, uh, low of 69, uh, and yeah, it's real wild weather in Chicago if, yeah, if, if you haven't stuck your head out already. Well, spring was, what, a week ago Saturday? <laughs> it feels like it only lasted a couple days. Yeah. Uh, uh, weather in Phoenix, uh, clear skies, 59 degrees, a high of 88 and a low of 59. Uh, traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound in Eisenhower between uh, I-294 uh, 294 North to Harlem Avenue. Traffic westbound in Eisenhower between Harrison and the ramp at 294 North. Uh, it's caused by a slowdown of traffic on uh, the exit ramp at Tri-State I-294. Uh, traffic eastbound the Kennedy between Cumberland and Foster Avenue. And finally, heavy traffic westbound the Dan Ryan between 59th Street and downtown. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Uh, a little a quick question for you, since you are an attorney uh, and, and have been involved in people doing weird stuff their whole life. That's, that's what attorneys deal with, unfortunately. Uh, let's, let's not even get into the, the, the shootings and all the other stuff in Chicago that we don't seem to be able to deal with. I mean, absolutely don't have to be able to deal with, but the other stuff is, is, is sort of getting to me as we started talking about horses. The, uh, I mean, if you drive around here in traffic, it's not just you have people that are boobs or rubes or whatever you want to call them that just do, do things that are, uh, maybe they shouldn't do to their fellow man. But now it's almost reaching a point, Lou, that people are doing stuff and it's so dangerous that it, that it, it doesn't even equate with what they're going to get out of it. It's one thing to cut in front of somebody. By a little bit, it's quite another to, to risk life and limb to cut in front of somebody. And it's like almost people don't even understand. Like they were in a house too long for two years, or something, something. There doesn't seem to be any sort of like common sense. Well, yesterday, hearing a story in the, in the you know Palos, you, you you've been out there. Palos has all yes. the, the kettle moraines and the forest preserves, and they have miles and miles of of trails for hiking or horseback riding or whatever. And there's all kinds of you know uh, what do you call them barns or whatever people keep their horses and. So yesterday, or maybe it was Sunday, some lady is is crossing the you know at a crossing, is crossing the street on her horse, and some moron in like a vet runs up behind the horse and guns the motor. The, the, the motor, the horse immediately bucks, and the lady goes flying. Fortunately, she's unhurt. The police guy goes in forty three years of people being out here, you know the county police and stuff. We've never never heard of anybody doing something that stupid. Look, what, what what's wrong with us? And, and what is the punishment for that? Do we beat the crap out of the guy in the, in the, in the town square? Well, how do you even reason with somebody like that? What do you have to do to him? I, I, I think 
the response is, is to that question is just to look at our general sort of judicial tolerance of this kind of stupidity and our unwillingness as a culture, at least in Chicago, to, to put people in jail for serious stuff like that. They don't view that as serious. Nobody got hurt. Nobody died. Um, it, it, it goes it goes right back to Daniel Patrick Moynihan's famous essay in the 60s about defining deviancy down to the extent you tolerate deviant, deviant behavior within your culture the standard for unacceptable behavior drops below whatever deviant behavior you're willing to accept and so suddenly you find yourself with a lower standard and at some point you begin to tolerate that and the standard drops even further I, I don't I don't understand, for example, why you know Chicago tolerates the the riot that just happened, or, or doesn't seem to be able to deal with the riot situation, for example, that occurred at North Beach out there. What day before yesterday or yesterday, where you had the you had the five or six hundred people suddenly flash mob at North Beach, and then the overflow crowd goes into um, goes into Old Town. And people start jumping on cars and and uh, bashing windows, smashing windows, not because they were protesting anything, because they were just a bunch of hoodlums, I guess, to use the term. Or I can't say, is it impolite to say thugs anymore? Well, um, it seems to me, Luda, there's all it's all t- somewhat tied together. That when when people grow up, I mean, everybody remembers at some age <laughs> doing a pulling a joke on somebody that was not all that funny. And that's basically why you had your old man said, "Don't ever do that again." <laughs> you, you, you learn. I mean, it's not like we grow up knowing this stuff. People have to teach you how to behave, and and that's what families are for. I mean, it's not like they have to be autocratic, but I mean, you know, people that are ten and eleven do stupid stuff. The, the trick is, well, there there, to, you're right. There has to be some kind of socializing going on, and I, I would say that that the socializing efforts in <clears throat> large number of neighborhoods, urban neighborhoods, especially. Has failed, but I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to limit it to urban neighborhoods. No, oh god, no. I mean, look at the breakdown. <clears throat> if you if you go into rural Kentucky or rural Tennessee or rural Ohio, you know you're looking at hillbilly elegy type stuff. The the fentanyl and opioid drug use that ravaged those communities. Where was the where was the responsible socialization for those communities? It it fell apart. And I don't know, I don't know what the the answer is, <clears throat> other than having to deal with, you know, this kind of thing. A, a guy in a, a guy in a car who drives up behind a horse with a rider on it and engages in that kind of conduct is committing a, is is actually committing a deadly act. Yeah, because it, it threatens death or serious injury to the horse rider. You know, if I'm a horse rider, I guess you can't carry a gun because your horse is going to bolt at that. But in response to that, I mean, deadly force would be authorized to prevent something like that if that's what, if that's what you saw was about to happen. And and I'm just wondering if suddenly we are working our way down to a point where we're going to be expecting average citizens. I I, I know in certain part in certain communities that's that this this is a, a given. Where, where citizens are going to be expected to start carrying weapons and and you know re-socializing people 
one way or the other. Uh, Funny you should mention that. situation developing in Philadelphia. I knew some of the guys who were the, uh, the, the, horse, the horse guys, the, the, the horse detail in the county. And when they would train their new horse, when the horse, they got to the point where those guys were great riders, they got to the point where they would go out with a whole bunch of firecrackers and yep. wing, them, wing them all around the horse while they were riding up to train the horse. They said, look, I'm, I'm in charge here. As long as I'm here, you're okay. It took a while, but you could actually train. Not a regular person can't do that, but a, you can actually train horses for that. I, I suspect, I suspect you can. And you, that's what, that's what you do with gun dogs for, uh, for retrieval. But that was one point I wanted to make was in Philadelphia, they had a, they were having a rash of carjackings over the last two years when when the defund the police thing went full bore and the Philadelphia idiotic Philadelphia city government embraced it. So rash of carjackings because the cops weren't they weren't taking those people off the street. You have the same problem in Chicago, yeah. by the way, and we, we we're starting to get the problem here in Denver. <clears throat> but what happened in Philadelphia was they they have a a somewhat looser mechanism for concealed carry than a lot of other big cities and so people started arming themselves after about five or six of the cardiacers were shot and killed by by car by uh, the, uh car owners those numbers have started to fall and they're falling precipitously and so uh, but I, but i mean i think is is this is this the solution no. we each have to become our own private well, law enforcement Chicago police want no part of stopping anybody they, they only want they only want to you can go down the expressway, you never see a policeman. As soon as somebody gets shot, there's 40 guys out there spending the next five hours giggling around searching for brass. It gives them some place to go. It's really uh, that, that's that's probably that's probably true. But I mean, if you're an individual citizen wandering, you know, driving a, an expensive car in downtown Chicago I, or uh, other places, but Chicago, I, I mean, I've been reading. I see the Chicago crime reports on uh, on it's, Twitter. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, I, if I had, if I had a nice car, I wouldn't I wouldn't be driving around without a gun. No, it's it's terrible. It, and I and you know the weird part, you get in arguments with people about well, the police don't want they're going to get sued. They don't want to do it. And I, and I, I say, you know what? I I'm not going to. I don't want to force anybody to be a policeman. I said, but you, I, I don't show up and take people's money to manage their account and go play golf. I mean, if 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 you're going to be there and punch the clock. And I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying that the job's worth it or anything like that. That that's your decision or mine. But once you're the, don't don't just show up and, and dodge the duty. If you're going right. to be there, well, be there. I, I don't. But but I, I've also seen. I looked at the numbers that came out, what last week, you know, 900 Chicago policemen removed or retired in the last year, and you you were able to bring in a hundred. Well, yeah, and that brings it up. Brings up another question: What what manner of moron put together a, a, a payment schedule where somebody can retire at age fifty two or five and get a check, whenever the rest of the world has to wait wait till sixty five, and the guy can go get another job and still he gets his check? I mean, really? I'm, I mean, I'm, okay, I'm okay with that right. as long as you're getting quality people in to to do this. Okay, but what I'm and, saying is, well, you can't. The, the, you're not. We're talking about two different things. I'm talking about the, the money you can't spend in, in today's world where people can live to be 100 relatively easily or 95. You, you can't pay somebody 70 years for 20 years work. I, I agree. I agree with that. And that needs to be, that needs to be looked at. But I mean, at the same time, if what I'm trying to do is incentivize the best and the brightest to come into these positions where we're authorizing them to use deadly force on behalf of the state, yeah. I, I, I get that. I, under, I understand that. If, if in fact that's what we're doing, that 
that isn't what we're doing in Chicago and a number of other places. I, I, I did want to mention, and I wanted to cover yeah. something you had asked about last week, yes, and that's the, Richard, that's the uh, NFL drug use painkiller lawsuit that we talked about in 2014. I think that's when it got filed. Yeah, I read that thing. How, mm-hmm. how, how in the hell did that thing get tossed? Uh, it gets tossed because, and, and this is something I, that's sort of a, a, a little more extended discussion than I than, than maybe you, you want. But all those those cases were all thrown out on on a statute of limitations issue for all of the players, and the 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 court's position was that using the various states in which these guys had played, <clears throat> they should have picked up on the fact that they were being given, you know, massive amounts of illegal drugs or that were drugs that were being illegally prescribed. They should have picked up on that and and, and the fact of the NFL's involvement uh, while they were playing. Years, year, you know, decades before they actually filed the lawsuit. And, and so the court said, you know what, you should have... You knew, for example, in 1978 or 1981 that, in fact, you were being given prescription medication and you didn't have a prescription. You know, the team doctor was just stroking a, was just stroking a, a, a check for as much of the stuff as you wanted. You knew, for example, that in, when you were playing that, that nobody was keeping track of the amount of stuff that you were, that you were uh, actually using. And that should have tipped you that something improper was going on and that you're you, you had a right to you had a right to, to challenge this. And it it goes back to something that when I was an agent I, I tried to reinforce with my players. It it, it it seems almost unfair for these guys back in the seventies because it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of game, but that I've tried to reinforce with my players is that listen, once you step out of the collegiate realm into the pros, you are an adult, which means you have to act like an adult, which means you have to stay on top of everything that happens to your body and everything that the club is doing. This is now a business. You are a capital asset to that club, and you know you need to be aware of everything that's happening and any single thing that bothers you anything that that comes into your perception with respect to how the club is treating you or treating other players if you have a question about that you need to get that back to me as soon as possible because what happened in this case was that these players did not figure did not talk to anybody who who had some knowledge about this until 2013 and they got to they got to a lawyer in 2013 who had filed a similar kind of case for uh, in Arizona for a couple of the Cardinals I think, and and he told them about these theories and they said okay let's go, and so he filed the case in 2014. By that time it was too late. The conversation had to have happened according to the court. Now now this judge may get reversed. This is just the trial court, but according to this court. That decision should have been made when the guy was playing, when he was being given the drugs, when he realized there was no prescription control on the drugs. All of the stuff that 
we don't train athletes to do. And 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 in fact, you know, the club had the guy gone to the trainer or had the guy gone to his coach and said, "Why am I getting all this stuff? Who's got control over this?" They probably would have cut him. Sure they would have. Sure they would have. I don't. I'm going to say Lou that if, if at the end of the day I'm getting so damn cynical, I, I can't even look in the mirror. I'm going to say that this judge loves football, doesn't give a crap about these people. He just likes to turn it on on Sunday and, and bet on it. And, and maybe he got money from the NFL or some drug company for his, for his. This 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 is unconscionable. We have all kinds of people oh, I, that are that are, that uh, know, knew that maybe the, the factory smelled kind of funky when they were twenty five years old and stayed there ten years and now have mesothelioma. We 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 go back all the time and say somebody should have known that the individual person isn't responsible for somebody poisoning them. Well, this is this is the it's called the discovery rule in tort law, and it it. it what it does is it says, okay, the statute of limitations for for filing a suit on some wrong that's done to you or some injury you receive starts to run when you knew or should have known that that something improper was going on and and that you were having these problems. And and these guys in their depositions all said, well, yeah, I had suspicions about that. And for the court under the standards, I mean, if you read the opinion, it's very thorough. And it, it's it's very logical. And he meant he talks about the standards. He mentions the cases that that support the the fact that this is when you should have you should have made the report. My point is that for for guys who have been treated the way athletes have been treated through high school, through college, stepping into the professional arena is fraught with all kinds of issues, and it's not just. Don't go to strip clubs and throw twenty thousand dollars at at some you know some person dancing on the stage. Don't don't run with the morons that you ran around with in high school or or in college. <clears throat> don't don't think that you got to be a tough guy and and buy a gun and carry it with you all the time. Yeah, but the overwhelming it way is... past it goes way past that. It goes to you now have responsibility. For managing your your physical and, and, and emotional well being, and and very few of these guys have been really trained to think right, about so uh, to think about their career that way. I, I departed. And, and, and if you listen, if you listen to you know Keyshawn Johnson or some of these other guys who who now look back, I mean, they all say the same thing. I didn't realize that this was a business until I was in my late twenties or early thirties, and and I. I guarantee you, their agents were telling them, "This is a business. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to what's happening." This lawsuit and its result is just a classic. Well, we have that. it's a classic example of the, the the people who put out the prescriptions, and they should have known whether it was Walgreens, I don't know, CVS was around at the time, or Osco, wherever the hell it was. They're probably still here, Lou. They can still get spanked and go to jail, and and we don't do that. If you're big enough, you control the courts. I honestly believe that. I mean, I, I, one of our buddies and de- departed, unfortunately, Doug Buffon. He was on trading floor for a while, so we'd go to breakfast every day. And Doug would tell us these stories. He goes, my first game for the Bears. The doctor comes around, hands everybody pills, and everybody takes them. He goes, I see everybody else taking the veterans, and I want to be part of this crowd. I start, he goes, I don't know what they were, but I paid my best game, like, ever, and uh, didn't remember a lot of it. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody had their pills they took before every game. Well, the doctor and the Bears clearly have a higher level responsibility than some 21-year-old kid at this point, I think. 
to the point where I, I, you, I agree. You, you can't wait ten years to say you should have known. How the hell is he supposed to know? Two two weeks out of Louisville. That that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. The court the court looks at at that indication and says, okay, you admitted in your deposition that you knew you were you were getting prescription drugs and you knew you didn't have a prescription. That should have been your warning sign. Well, it's also. I mean, you, 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 it's like walking into a steel mill in, uh, in in a town where it's the only job, and saying, "Boy, it, it's too hot in here." O- okay, <laughs> it's a condition of employment, Lou. I mean, and yet in other chief, chief, I believe me, I, I empathize with these players, and I empathize with with their counsel. Uh, there's just these are these are some cruel rules that can be applied this way, and and. You know whether it was the attorney prepping these kids, these guys for their depositions or whatever. These guys made statements to the effect that this is when I sort of figured out things were going. Well, so wrong how do when I so I how does uh, something was going wrong? And they didn't they didn't move to act on it. Well, so how does somebody sue Jansen and Jansen for baby powder for forty years ago or mesothelioma or for asbestos forty years ago? That's way out of any kind of statute of limitations. It, it typically would be, but in those cases, nobody knew that there was asbestos in whatever they were handling, or or nobody was aware that this material that they were they were stripping off a ship or pulling out of a chimney contained asbestos fibers until you know ten, twenty, thirty years later. And and what happened on that on those as a lot of those asbestos cases is the same thing that happened on the Agent Orange stuff. The 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 court set up, or in settlement of the cases, they set up a fund that was funded out of the bankruptcy of John Manville or whoever it was that was handling the stuff. They set up a fund and then said, anybody that had an injury, make a claim. And so that's why you see all these people coming in from 20, 30, 40 years ago making making claims against these funds on cases that typically would have been thrown out. Well, I just I honestly believe, especially from what I see in my industry, if you're not big and you can't and you don't have the or at least have come up with the money to pay the best attorneys, this legal system does not work for anybody. Anybody. It hasn't for a well, long that, time. That's the regulatory that's the regulatory scheme that, that we've talked about, whereas where whereby compliance the more complicated your regulatory scheme, the more it costs to comply, and only your largest entities will be able to comply. Well, and I think it happens the same thing happens in court. I mean, once you once you get past, you know, I mean, I, I think that my my judge buddies tell me, and, and my attorney buddies tell me that if you get on to Twenty Sixth Street and it's a criminal case, the judge is usually pretty fair, pretty knowledgeable, and does a pretty good job. Once you get in one of these other cases where there's politics involved and there's big money involved, all they do is try and figure out who, who's who's supposed to win this thing. I mean, there's some there's there's probably some uh, some truth to that. I, I mean, I look at I, and, and obviously. You know, for, for for if you're the right person, and, and I, I'm sorry because I'm I'm I don't like the president. His son comes to mind immediately, yeah. who who commits a federal firearms felony, and, and and in addition to God knows what else, uh, but but who's who's unscathed. Yeah, I get it. All right, Lou, thank you very much, buddy. Have a good weekend. Hopefully, this time is hot there as it is here. Uh, we're not not used to it. Ninety. We went from fifty to ninety basically in a week. Uh, but we'll survive. SP Futures now down 40. Ouch. NASDAQ Futures down 197. Selling is relentless. We'll be right back, Mr. Dan Janitas. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Louie? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happened. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Smith Burn on the board. SP Futures now down 41. Relentless selling. Is that futures down uh, 195? We're going to have the PPI here a little bit early. Have you ever seen the movie where that quote came from, Matt? Casablanca. No, I haven't. Actually, how, how could you not watch Casablanca? I, it's one of those things where I just I I've always it's been on my list for a while. Uh, but I just haven't seen. I've seen Citizen Kane though. That's on my. That's oh, that, that, it, uh, it, that's hard. <laughs> it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. Do we have Mr. Dan. Yes. Yes. I think it sounds like I need to cook up some dinner or barbecue and have some people over for a Casablanca party, Dan. What do you think? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to watch it again. But out of like the hundred allegedly greatest lines ever written for movies, like ten of them are in that movie. Great. <laughs> so you sound like somebody doesn't watch it either. I not not I, oh. I have seen it but I don't necessarily watch it on a regular basis. <laughs> I don't expect you to watch it every week. Or hey, Dan, we got the market in the, in the crap ball. We've got this 
these dominoes sort of, uh, to me, they look pretty awful lining up for this cryptocurrency in terms yeah. of who has to who has to get out here and who has to get out there. But before we get into that, um, I got a lot of clients uh, calling me, and I, I I just want to get a feel for your of your state of the industry. Um, when I was a Ute a long time ago, when you went and got a mortgage, mortgage was six, six and a quarter, somewhere in there, six and a half, for like years, Dan. And, uh, and the savings and loan paid three, three and a quarter on passbook. So there was about a three percent spread. And that paid for the building, the people. I mean, the, the, you know, the president didn't make 90 bazillion dollars and steal all the money like today. Uh, paid for the little league uniforms, the bowling shirts, all the other good stuff. How is it now that these mortgage rates are back to five and a half, and yet the risk-free rate is still like nothing at a bank? And I've got a lot of clients calling and saying, well, the rates where they are, I should be able to get, you know, three percent, four percent, if the, if the, you know, if the ten years three, I should be able to get three or four percent or two and a half at least someplace safe. And I, I'm having trouble finding it. I mean, and some of the stuff you have, you're, you're really good at finding this preferred. I mean, you, you basically, you know, you, you dig into the crummy river and pull out the one good fish. But why is, why isn't the rest of the river, why, why isn't the, the pool rising? If somebody's charging, Five and a half percent in a mortgage. Why can't somebody get three percent for a loan on the money? Yeah, uh, I I agree. You know, I mean, what's happening now is um, you know we've seen that the mortgage rates have been at about five and a half percent the past few weeks. They've actually ticked up a little higher, and with the anticipation of higher rates, which we pretty much is know is going to happen both in June and July. I mean, the June meeting is uh, middle of the month. July meeting is towards the end of the month. So between those two meetings, we're probably going to get another 100 basis point, another 1% increase um, in the Fed funds rate. In terms of what's going to happen to the 10-year, I think we're going to see not necessarily a full 1%, but I do think the direction is up. So we will eventually see a flattening of the curve, but for the time being, we you know there, there's more pressure on rates to go higher. Now, I kind of, the way I look at it, to answer your question in terms of the way mortgage companies do it, um, you know, they're trying to make some money in this environment as spreads have widened out. This gives them an opportunity to do that. Um, I have two different friends who are looking to get mortgages right now that are, that are buying new properties that kind of got stuck because have they been able to lock in, you know, within 60 days? I mean, had the properties been ready and we didn't have these supply chain issues, they would have been able to lock in at, at fair rates, you know, maybe five, six months ago and now they're forced to be paying these, these much higher rates. So, I agree. There is a spread in there that's being, um, uh, you know, the banks are making money. Mortgage companies are making money in this environment. Uh, this is where they can make money. Um, interesting analogy would be gas prices because, you know, we've been, we track oil prices very carefully and it's seen that gas prices were going up pretty much in lockstep with oil prices. But then the last few weeks where oil prices have kind of been steady, I mean, they've been, you know, they have closer to 100, we've seen continual increases in, in gas prices. And I think part of that, again, is because companies can do this, because there's been a lot of demand for housing, because there's, been, there's always demand for gasoline. So there's, um, yeah, in terms of... Uh, why this happens, I think it's mostly because they can do it and because there is demand. Now, that's going to change, 
and uh, I think the mortgage market's going to become more competitive, and they're not going to be able to do that um, as the demand for housing starts to sell sell off here or wane a little bit. Um, but for the time being, that's that is what's happening, and that's we've been watching that closely. I think the gas um, stand, uh, especially in the Midwest, first of all, the taxes are the more it goes yeah, up, the more the taxes are up. It's, it's on, the, on the gas. It's thirty. Yes. It's thirty in Chicago. The taxes are thirty three percent of your of your pump price. Wow, it's huge. And uh, but I, I mean the uh, I think you have the the summer blend issue happening. Yes. Plus, uh, you know something that I don't know if it's common knowledge, but if you go going to the the local pub and say you know where, where's the biggest uh, inventory of gasoline, they might who knows what they might say. You know, Amico's tanks or someplace. Fact is, it's in your car, and right. and if the I remember reading this, there was a huge studies on this stuff years ago. That there's how many million cars in the country, and the average car is what like point four four uh, tank full. And if all of a sudden people think the prices are going up, and they decide to raise that even like two or three gallons per car because you because you want to fill up this week because you know it's going to be more expensive next week, you can throw the entire system out of whack right. easily. By doing that, and, and and so, and then when it starts coming down, it comes down faster than you think it should because all of a sudden everybody's stuck with a full tank. It doesn't need gas for three weeks, so it's. I mean, it, we, we can be our own worst enemy on this stuff. Right, absolutely. And as you know, I, I've heard t- talks of shortages again, and you know, remembering back to what happened in the seventies and gas lines and higher gas prices and concerns there. I'm, I'm, um, you know, when it comes to inflation, I'm. I'm you know, concerned about gas, obviously, and oil prices, but I'm more concerned about what's happened, you know, in the housing market, and in particular the rental market. So a lot of people who are being challenged at the gas pumps are renters, or or people who rent property. And at least here in South Florida, our rents have gone up close to 50% over the last year. So if you think paying $100 extra a month in gas is a lot, what about paying $1,000 more a month in rent? Uh, Dan, and are, are you that, no. that I think is really where it's hitting the consumer, um, you know, and other other costs like utilities, like um, you know, other costs of um, of living. I mean, certainly food is there, but with food, um, you, you as as individuals, we can you know we can shop a little differently. We can eat out less. We can go to places that are less expensive. You know, we have options. But when it comes to rent. There's few, at least here, there's fewer and fewer options, and, and the the cost of housing is is um, has really gone up. So I think that's gonna that's gonna, housing is a bigger ticket item that's going to impact um, people. Gas is something that we look at because it's a you know everybody gets gas, and it's something that we need um, fairly frequently. But you know, with a lot of people working from home, or at least having the option of doing hybrid working, they have ways of cutting back on. On you know their their consumption. If talking about taking trips, you maybe take a shorter trip or a shorter vacation, or you don't go to a you know a destination that's quite as far away. So that, so you can you know you have some flexibility in that, but the housing park you have less flexibility in. Dan, uh, Matt, uh, would you when you when you send the the tape of this out, strike the last two minutes from Dan Janitas because I don't want the <laughs> Ministry of Truth coming after him. Uh, mm-hmm. And then being banned from Twitter and everything else, Dan, I'm staring right at the CPI. Our government, the Ministry of Truth, says that rent was up 5.2 percent last year. Are you lying? 
It may be nationally, but it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I did. And it's you know, nowhere. It's nowhere. Locally, we've had we've had pretty substantial increases in rent in in the state of Florida. It's nowhere. It's never. It's not five point two percent anywhere, unless you're in some the bayou, right. the bayou in Louisiana, and some uh, some house with like a, you know maple trees driven into the swamp. Everybody else is up way more. Than, these guys have. Yeah, and it's it's all it's all you know it's all count, it's all in arrears, right? So we're looking at it, yeah. you know, in hindsight. We're not looking at it as what what is currently happening, what people are currently paying today going forward. So. No, the local news did a whole sec- section on rents, you know, average rents being in the, you know, for, let's say, a two-bedroom apartment being in the range of around 1800 now suddenly um, jumping up to 3000 So the um, the CPI numbers may not be showing that yet, but they will be. And we are anticipating higher um, housing costs, you know, as well, uh... time goes on, and there's not a whole lot to do, I mean, there is some affordable housing being built, but that's very slow, just as the whole process of building homes is slow. So I think the cost of housing is is, um, is definitely a concern, and one that, at least in terms of looking at your budget, is going to be a larger chunk if you're somebody who is impacted by gas prices. You're definitely going to be impacted well, by, by uh, more so by housing prices. The owner's equivalent rent, this is if you own your own home, on the last year, rates have gone from 4 to 55 and the prices are up, what, 20% for most places? Yeah. Owner's equivalent rent of primary residence is up 4.8 year over year. So this is, this is something, this is total fiction here, Dan, we're looking at. Yeah. And I'm saying this, is, this hasn't even, yeah. this hasn't even reached the high CPI numbers that we're worried about. But right now, if somebody, if, and I do have clients, if I had, um, a client who says, just where can I easily get two, two and a half percent for the next two years? It's still not an easy draw, and it ought to be with, with these rates. The borrowing Absolutely agree. I think that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, you know, I, one of the things I was going to talk about is looking at the short end of the yield curve. And if you if you're patient, you wait till the end of July. We're going to be there. Um, if you want to make a, if you want to look at where the best bang for the buck is, and where you're not going to get sort of locked in, you know, the three month is is yielding the three month um, bill T bill is yielding close to one percent. It's like point nine two. I think that's the best place to be. I think the one year at 2.08 is okay. I wouldn't put all my money in it. Um, but because if you just wait another two and a half months, by the end of July, we're going to see another um, 100 basis points on top of that. So, um, you know, you could do the three-month rollover. In other words, start with the, the three months today, and then by early August, you know, rotate. Um, into a, into the new rate, which will probably be close to two percent, or you could do, or you could start with uh, buying the one year T bill at two point one percent, and then do sort of a ladder. Although I don't really particularly care for ladders, but you know, ladder in after the second Fed meeting. So the second Fed meeting, meaning the end of July. Putting all your money into something like a CD or a T-bill right now doesn't make sense um, because we, we're anticipating higher rates and they are not reflected. It's just as you're saying, it's very hard to find that, um, those rates. And then there'll be a period this summer that I, I think is going to feel long, like a long, long summer where we have to wait until the end of September before we see another Fed meeting. Now, listening to some of what has been discussed, 
it does not seem like we're going to have this interim meeting regardless of how high inflation goes. We aren't going to have this interim meeting where we're going to suddenly see a 75 basis point hike. The Fed is determined to keep it very steady because they don't want to cause too much uh, concern. They're way behind and in, in their... Um, and, and their activity and their movement and their discussions, but I, I think there's a belief that they're going to stir up too much if they were to raise rates too high. In other words, they're going to make people believe that things are worse than they are. Well, they are. <laughs> they are, and I agree with you. And I think because we, you and I, as investment managers, because we look ahead, we're not just looking at the data that's coming out from the last year the way they are. We're looking at what's happening now and we're looking at what's very likely to be happening. And they've told us what's going to be happening in the near future. they told us about the upcoming rate well, hike, they, they, and there's nothing that's going to change that. And I've been saying all along, I don't think inflation is, I think inflation is going to continue to be an issue. It's going to find its way throughout the system. It's going to hit services. Um, it is hitting services. Yeah. And where do you find, you know, going back to your question, well, where do you find yield right now? A few of the names that we had mentioned before have really held up nicely in this environment, like um, self, the self-storage play, um, facilities, global self-storage, uh, Blue Knight, which is the asphalt storage business. Um, that preferred stock is, you know, yielding close to 10%, and the price of the stock has gone up. When we first started talking about it, it was at 5. It's close to 9. Uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul Preferred is trading at around 24 it's callable at 25, but the company hasn't called it back yet. In the meantime, you're getting like nine and three quarters. Um, so that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty um, chunky yield for, uh, you know, what what is going to be a, um, you know, it, you have the call risk, but you can at least hold on to it until, you, until they're called. And we also talked about utilities like, uh, like uh, Otter, um, O-T-T-R, uh, which pays a NLK dividend, or Black Hills um, BKH, which is actually traded up about 12, 12 or 14 bucks over the last few months. Um, one other name that we had mentioned in the past, One Bond, and, it, and, and I'll follow, follow up with what you said, it is hard to find 2.5%. It's even hard to find better yields in the high yield market. And you would think there'd be a lot more opportunities but a lot of those bonds are put away. And one name we had mentioned, the Amtrust, which is a property casualty company, um, they have bonds, six and eight bonds that mature August of next year. And that AFSI is the tickle, ticker, but we're talking about the bond here, not the equity. And that's a really decent yield for, you know, a year and a few months. And, you know, it's pretty much a steady eddy. They're going to, there's, there's no question they're going to pay next year. But those bonds are hard to find. Yeah, you know, the, the transaction market is is not flooded with all kinds of um, opportunity right now. A lot of it's put away. Some of it's put away in ETFs and in funds. And a lot of investors that have gotten in earlier are just sitting on the like we have been, for example, sitting on um, uh, the high yield bonds that we own. So there will be, though, for a patient, we will get to a point. And we're going to get to, I think, the first point is going to come later, again, after the second Fed hike in, in, in July. And then the next Fed, the next opportunity, I think, will be a few months later after the, probably after the November hike. 
Um, so those will be, I think, two time periods to look at um, where we're going to see some, you know, where you want to step in on the fixed income side. In the meantime, I would not be trying to play the yield curve, the longer end of the yield curve. There's just too much risk. Um, you're not getting paid. The risk return trade off is not there. Um, certainly not in the 10 year. And you have some days where the market, you know, looks good and, and it recovers a little and then, you know, the, then we see the market trading back up. But I think it's, it's, you know, the, um, risk is still to the upside of higher rates, um, which would obviously be to the downside if you want to be an investor in long term bonds. Well, Dan, why, you know, the, um, one thing, the, by the way, you just sort of confirmed what I, Said to my clients in the last few days, let's just wait a bit. We've waited, we've waited this long. We can wait a little longer. Yeah. Uh, but you know what's weird is it, um, I don't want to give a class on clearing firms and so forth here, but people are so used to having the cost of the transaction being such a minuscule amount of, you know, I, we, we can buy, you know, whatever. We, we can buy a whole bunch of options for somebody. You can buy a hundred lot options and spend, or, or a thousand shares of stock and you're, I'm not going to go with the free part because they're selling it on the other end. Nothing's free, but commissions are are amazingly cheap considering the size of what you just did, right? I mean, they, yes, they, I mean, they really are. But if you if you take apart these bond transactions or in a fixed income, they're not. I mean, for instance, if you if you put ten thousand dollars into a T bill, ninety days, you're making a hundred bucks, right? Well, the cost to do that for us is probably. Twenty-five or fifty bucks, depending on who you go through. Well, that's that's a quarter or a half of what you're going to make. It's it's just not worth it, right? Because the levels are so low. Right? Yeah, we're the so same. Yeah, the same team so bill. Low. If it's a million dollars, it's still twenty. The, the government doesn't give you a break on the size. Like 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 if you know if we had a client that wanted to buy ten million in T bills, it'd be the same fifty bucks, right? But but on the lower end, it's it's not like if you buy one stack option, you only pay for one, and that. It's it's different. The the the, the it, it, even even the bond stuff. The the sometimes the bid and the offer. If you pay the offer, I mean you you might say and and you you do all the things paying five and a half percent. But if you're only going to have it for a year, if you pay the offer, it's four and a half percent. And if you hit the bid, it's six and a half. Right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's uh, a bit of, yeah. There's a spread. There's a spread. I mean, we do have institutional pricing. We we are um, especially on the corporate side. We do have access and right. um to inventory um, that that is only for larger um, participants in the market, and because I've been a bond manager for so many years, I have uh, dealers that we deal with in, in addition to Interactive, who right. are able to find things at, at better prices. So our cost is low, and we don't we don't you know we, we don't pass that on to our um, to our clients. That's something that's you know we, we just charge an advisor fee, but we don't charge a, a trading fee. Right. So. Um, so I think you know. This is, I think in general, this is a good time for professional money management. Um, a lot of uh, I have a number of clients who have personal accounts who have just gotten slammed from the beginning of the year, whether it be um, Na- you know Nasdaq names, tech names, Bitcoin, um, and really are asking me what to do at this point. And I and you know my advice is to you know the, you know keep a small amount for yourself to manage for your personal account, but give the majority of that money to people like. Like you guys and us, who have been doing this forever and ever, know how to manage risk and um, can can do it in volume where you do have a cost advantage, and we're watching it every day, which is the most important thing. 
and we're familiar with these markets because we've lived through this. I mean, this is, feels familiar. It's you know the, the 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 dynamics are a little bit different than they were in '08. They're different than they were in the late '90s. They're different than they were in the late '80s. But there's still you know they're still trending in the same direction. We have to look at this. We do look at this big picture. When you're looking at the credit cycle, the credit cycle it goes from tightening to loosening, and it's a it's a um, it's a curve just like the business cycle curve. And the credit curve tends to um, lead the market, and it, it really confuses growth investors. But interest rates going up, inflation going up. That's part of the credit cycle. Now, could it be controlled better by the Fed? Absolutely. Could it be controlled better by the administration? Absolutely. Um, the good news for us as investors is that we can see what's going to happen. So we know what's going to happen in the next few months, and we can adjust accordingly. Well, there's no question, uh, uh, Dan, that if uh, the, the idea, I mean, the, the most hair-pulling thing, I'm not into pulling my hair out, but if I did, everybody I talked to, and you can't say this to people, especially the, the guys who never really became clients, everybody right. I talked to, and you can't say this, the mistake was in not listening to me two years ago. I mean, it, that's the mistake. If this stuff is too high, you need to protect yourself. It's, it's, it's out of hand. Nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody even wanted to set up an account or even if they if they could move quickly enough, and I'd say you know you can set up an account. You never have to fund it, but it takes it used to take a day to set up an account. Now it takes you know maybe two weeks by the time everybody does Interpol checks and everything on everybody else. Right. Uh, so you, you at least open one up. So if you never have to call me again, it doesn't cost you anything. But if you do, you know I can do something for you. Otherwise, I just can't, and I don't have the personnel and I don't have the bandwidth. To start managing your accounts somewhere else because you're in a panic. I just can't do it. I mean, I don't know yeah. about people. And and you know what? Now the calls are flying. But then I'm looking at some of these stocks. I, I feel like I was given I was given lectures in 2001 in Brooklyn, like I was, where uh, the whole yeah. room is pissed off because Cisco went from 60 to six, and everybody in the room owns Cisco. I'm looking at some of the stuff. I I have no idea. Did anybody ever look at this crap? I'm looking at the Zoom video. The Zoom is down to uh, 81 dollars. The thing. Topped out at four hundred bucks. There's three hundred million shares outstanding. Yeah. Whoever dreamed this thing? What, what, what is that? One hundred bucks right. makes a ten million, forty billion dollars for this place. But are we out of our friggin' mind? I mean, right. Peloton valuations are just yeah. stretched, you know, way too high. And 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 you know, for for somebody who's used to looking at, you know, when we manage, we like to see hard assets. We like to see collateral. We like to. See, I mean, that's just more of a bond person's way of looking at the world, even when we're looking at equities, we like to see free, positive free cash flow. We like to see, um, you know, this one company I was just talking about, I was talking to the, the CEO yesterday of Alico, which does citrus and also land management here, actually not far from where I live here in Florida. And these guys were thoughtful enough to have hedged all of their fuel costs because they do have to pay fuel for the, the trucks to get the the fruit from the trees to the to the facilities and even though it's not a huge cost for them they were smart enough to see that they were also smart enough to um, lock in labor contracts um, because they do use some you know some some people coming from Mexico and other places and they provide um, 
you know, housing and all that. So they they locked in these labor contracts for their next their next harvest. So I mean, they're just you know, you say they're geniuses, but this is what they do for a living, and they know they want to protect the the risk that could yeah. be associated with it. And you know, that's why the stock is up. Um, you know what? Twenty five percent in the last month. Well, you're you're, you're and in they the, pay a five five percent dividend yield. You're you're in the service business. You're not in the oil speculation business. That's yes. why you hedge. Yes. 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 And, 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 but but. But this has been this has been so free, so easy for so long. I, I think Dan, you're right. And one thing we only have a couple of minutes here, please. You and I could go off on this for an hour, and nobody want to listen. But the way the way I think the money supply right now is shrinking so fast with the, with all these margin loan stuff and all that the the Fed, even though they want to raise interest rates, they're going to have to put money into the system, not the other way around. Just just so it doesn't happen too fast. Absolutely, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I I, I um. And I, I totally agree. I mean, one, one other point that just sort of to follow up with what you're saying, way back in 1985, 1986, my mentor in the business said, be very careful at new concepts, new ideas, new companies, new technology, new ideas, like Bitcoin, for example, would fit in that category. And, and I haven't touched it for my personal account. I haven't touched it for any of my clients. When people ask me, I say it's a currency and theoretically, it makes sense what it does, but it's—I haven't bought into it because it's a new concept, and I would much rather wait until it plays itself out. Well, you know, if you if you want to put a little bit of it in your personal account and see how it does, perfect. But do not rely on this. I know people who are relying on this for their retirement, and it just doesn't work like that. You, you know, you really in in our business, you it it takes time. For an investment to season, if you will, and to under you have to really understand it very, very well before you um, invest. So, yeah, I'm so we got to dash here uh, to quick, but real quick answer. Uh, I'm seeing these dominoes on this Bitcoin, and I'm I'm looking at these going. If one of these tips, they're all going. I see all these people yeah. would have to sell here, here. I mean, I, I yep. was it two years ago? You were, you were on the show, and I said, I can't believe that this is is just like tulips. Yep. All of a sudden, they went, then they went on the exchange, and as soon as you could borrow to buy the tulips, all of a sudden the thing came crashing down. As soon as people started advancing credit for this Bitcoin, I knew we were in trouble. It's identical, right? It's the same situation. I mean, pe- well, people don't ever change, do they? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we're the no, same as we were two thousand no, years ago. No, but at this point, hopefully, you know, they're thinking more about putting the majority of their money with a professional advisor who does yeah. this all day and who's lived through these cycles well, as we have. If it's a Bitcoin guy, I'll shove him to you. How's that? You can shove it on from there. From there, <laughs> take, take care of yourself, Dan. You're good as always. Uh, SA Futures down on 35, Nasdaq Futures down 186. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm somehow Matt Byrne on the board. Uh, a little bit behind here, Matt, because I'm digging up the uh, PPI number, which just came out 11% year over year. And... Uh, 0.5% last month, but again, we'll dig in that for a second because it's not what it's not what it appears to be. It's actually way worse. Uh, mm. S&P futures down 34, Nasdaq futures down 191, Dow futures down 224. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, these guys were down heavy a while ago. European markets plunge. A DAX down 303, 2.2%. FTSE down 153, 2.1%. CAC around even worse, 164, 2.6%. Over in Asia, whack, whack, whack. Nikkei down 464, 1.8. Shanghai down 3, hanging in there. It's only 0.1%. Hang Seng, however, down 444, uh, 2.4%. Uh, uh, Taiwan more than 2% as well. So they're, they're all getting, they're all coming down pretty good over there. Uh, yesterday, Dow down 326, 1%. S&P down 65, 1.6%. NASDAQ down 373, 3.2%. That's after we were up in the morning before the we're up pretty good in the morning before the, the CPI number came out and then went straight back down. Uh, bonds down 8 basis points, 2.83. Lowest we've seen them in a while. They were over 3% yesterday morning. A uh, bond down 13 basis points, 0.86. They were over 1%. 
Japan unchanged at 2.25. Oil uh, down a buck 93 to 103.78. Brent down 196, 105.55. Natural gas down four. I'm getting tired of saying down. Uh, 7.49. Our Bob, I'll say unchanged, 368. Pricing up. Yeah, it's it's. As you used to say in the trading floor, Matt, we're down so low it's starting to look like up. <laughs> uh, gold down 11, 1170 now, 1842. Silver down 73 cents, 2085. Copper down 16 cents, 404. And we've got crypto uh, down 130. Bitcoin's down 1300 to 28,097. But it actually, I think it uh, traded under 27,000. Um, and uh, more than $200 billion erased the entire crypto market in a day. Mm. Uh, in one day, uh, who to thunk it? When this money, there's got to be margins coming all over the place. What do you have for us, traffic, traffic, weather, sports? Hey, good morning. Currently 7:36 a.m. on Thursday, May 12th, 2022. Let's get you into sports real quick. NBA semifinals: uh, Bucks versus Celtics, 110 to 107. Bucks win. Warriors at Grizzlies. Grizzlies win, 95 to 134. MLB Cubs win for once, 7 to 5 against San Diego Padres. Diamondbacks lose to Miami 3 to 11. A White Sox game uh, postponed against Cleveland due to a COVID outbreak affecting several Cleveland Guardian coaches. Uh, weather in Chicago, a lot different than last time I was here. Uh, partly cloudy, 75 degrees, 82% humidity. That's uh, nasty out there a little bit. Uh, high of 89 and a low of 69. Uh, weather in Phoenix, clear skies, 59 degrees, a high of 88 and a low of 59. Wow, we're beating them a little bit. Traffic in Chicago, uh, traffic eastbound can, uh, on Eisenhower, excuse me, between Wolf Road all the way to downtown. Heavy traffic westbound to Eisenhower between Holman Avenue and the ramp at I-294. Uh, that's caused by an accident uh, just before the I-294 exit 15A. Uh, two right lanes are blocked after a semi-truck struck debris, and there was reportedly fuel uh, fuel leak in the road. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, traffic uh, eastbound on the Kennedy uh, starts uh, just before Cumberland and goes all the way to downtown. Uh, heavy traffic westbound on the Kennedy from downtown to West Montrose. Heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 35th to Taylor and continues on to the Kennedy. Traffic northbound on Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. And finally, traffic northbound on Lakeshore between the Stevenson and Ur Randolph Street. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Good morning, Tom. Hey, I, I think I must have saw you last night. You were going to meet us. Oh. <laughs> I was too wiped out for my evening Tuesday night, Tom. Oh, I had to come downtown during the day. Oh, God. You were carousing during the day? Well, I had, a friend was in from Nebraska to attend an awards ceremony for a, a literary society. And so I went to that with her and then, you know, poked around a little bit after that, but got out of the loop pretty much as fast as I could. And uh, that, was, that was enough of my loop visits for a while, I think. Oh, God. The... Uh well, the good news is the outdoors is outdoors open at series, so. Oh, good. Yeah, I could see there were, there were actually people dining. You know, the people were sitting at Starbucks and the Elephant and Castle, the places in the Loop. And in the daylight hours, it looked pretty normal to me, although I don't think there were too many workers in the crowds I saw, but there were certainly a lot of people poking around. Well, the, the, where, not, where, where we know, are, there's... pocket no, nice, that's for sure. Where we are, there's still nobody. It's a minute with the exchanges being the way they are and so forth. Uh, hey, so uh, my conspiratorial uh, view of the Starbucks by me, which has been there forever, close to remodeling. Do you think it's just remodeling, or there's a union vote? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the one near me here closed fairly suddenly for remodeling, and it was closed you know, longer than it was predicted to be or projected on the signs out in front to be, and it eventually reopened, and it seems to be doing pretty well now. But 
at the time I was, you know, waiting for this just kind of morph into a permanent closure. I didn't know really what to make of it. So uh, it could be a strike fit, definitely. Well, Jan, is uh, the carnage that's hitting the market here, and they really are downplaying it on on the TV. I mean, I, I'm not, it's not my job to be chicken a little here, but some of these companies are just. I mean, you see some like something like the Zoom and the Peloton. Zoom was 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 uh, four hours. You know, now it's eighty. I mean, that's a real number. Uh, you know, and when they got three hundred million shares outstanding, so three hundred million times three twenty is a, is is a big drop in value. Now, whether it shouldn't have been there, but I, uh, I mean, you know, people, I, I guess they they constantly wonder why the hell I, I can't. I mean, I, I I rag on bubbles. I don't like bubbles because when when stocks go up, people borrow money, and when it goes back down. You, there's, there's leverage on it. People lose more money on the way down than they made on the way up, and you can't take the losses off from your regular income if their capital loss is over three over three thousand a year. And it's a, it is absolutely not an even game, game. And that's why the the Fed should make sure it never happens instead of cheering it on and making it happen. And it just bothers the living crap out of me, John. This is the third or fourth time in my lifetime I've seen it. It's the same, same people, same stuff. Well, the names names change, but the people, the talking heads look like they're the same. And it's just and it's just relentless. I mean, if you take a ten year span on things, and it doesn't have to be that way. I'm looking at these producer price indexes now. The the numbers are bad enough. Uh, producer price index for final demand increased 05 percent in April. All right, so that's six percent on the year. That doesn't sound horrible, right? Uh, seasonally adjusted, whatever the hell that means. The U.S., but the rise followed advances of 1.6% in March and 1.1% in February. On an unadjusted basis, final demand moved up 11% for the 12 months ending in April. Now, uh, you've been sitting there, you know, if you want to be a talking head that says things have peaked, you might say maybe they've peaked. However, this is the one we talked about uh, last month, Jan. The, there's, there's two big, big chunks of this thing. There's actually three, but the two that are, that are the biggest are, uh, goods, which, you know, really plow right through the consumer prices. And then there's the services piece. There's also a, a construction piece. I don't know what, how big that piece is, but the last two months, the, 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 the uh, goods piece has been 2.3 and 2.5. And, and one, and one of the months, the service, service was, was, uh, zero. And then, uh, and then the next month was like 0.5. So basically he's telling you if you're an attorney, you're not raising your rates, but oh, by the way, the, the paper, in your office is going up two and a half percent a month. Uh, so now, this month it was a one point three percent advance in prices, and uh, services were again unchanged. So we've had a two point three, a, 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 a what, a, a two point five, and a one point three in the in the uh, for goods. That that does not bode well for the CPI in the next couple of months. I mean, it was, it's. It's it's in the system all the way to the top here. It's, I mean, these, this, these numbers are horrible if you break them out. But I guess you were saying to Dan um, just before you signed off about you know money supply shrinking because of all the margin calls that have to be funded, and it, you know the the, the the effect of that happening suddenly um, may require an infusion of cash just to, to cushion the fall. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. I was wondering if you could explain. Well, because here, here, here's, here's what happens, uh, Jan. When this is this is traditional theory, and even today, there's a, there's a, there's a pool of money 
essentially in the pool, right? And, the, the, and what happens is when the Fed comes out and says they're raising the, the funds rate to 1%, the funds rate by definition is a rate that banks charge each other overnight for excess reserves. One one bank solution. In other words, if if if, if you if you the John Flanagan pulled a hundred million dollars out of Citigroup and, de- and deposited in the Northern Trust, probably the may, maybe I mean Citigroup's huge. They might actually need to borrow some rever- reserves from somebody because you took so much cash out of the place. Right. Well, where's the cash? It's over at Northern Trust. So so City will borrow that money overnight from Northern Trust, right? So as long as there's enough. Reserves in the system, it's it's okay for banks to borrow from another bank because all the Fed cares about is the total pool, right? So it's the total level of Lake Michigan. So what they do is they move money in and out of the system by buying or selling bonds traditionally, or, or usually U.S. paper, and then that's before they went into the mortgages and all the other crap. But they would they would move money in and out of the system to maintain the level in the pool so that that rate was one percent. Now they were never exactly right. And if you were in that business, one night, uh, you know, I'd call over to Northern Trust to get your money back, and they might say, well, it's 1.001, or next night it's 0.9992, you know. So, but, but the Fed's target was the 1%, and they would, they would call it a target, which is what it is. So, if they wanted to make that go up to 1.25%, now what would they do? They would drain money from the pool to where when Citigroup calls Northern Trust, they go, hey, reserves are a little bit, a little scarcer tonight. If you want to borrow them from me, I'm, I'm one and a quarter. I'm not one. And city's going to go, oh, okay, you know, but but they have to pay it, right? Or else, or else they got to go borrow it from the Fed through the discount window. They can do one or two. But it was always considered bad form. You were the bad teenager if you couldn't manage your own stuff to where you actually go to the Fed. That's why for years nobody ever used the discount rate because if you did, the, the Fed eyes go up and say, what's wrong with these guys? Why can't they? Why can't they settle it among themselves, basically? Am I, am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. so so then, but but money, you and I can create money. Um, if, if you if you take, well, it's it's still considered cash. It's if it's underneath your your uh, your bed, you walk to Lakeside Bank and you put in a hundred thousand bucks. It's it's still cash. It went from cash to put to being deposited. Okay, but now I can go to Lakeside, and depending on what the reserve rate requirement is. Say it's eighty. Say it's twenty percent reserve requirement. They can now turn around and lend me or somebody else eighty grand, and I get the check and I put it in my bank account. Well, so how much money is there? There's the hundred thousand you have, plus the eighty grand I have can both be spent. They're both part of the system now, right? Right. So what the Fed does, the Fed is if they were to just say we're going to maintain money supply growth at two and a half percent a year, it's not like they have nothing to do. That that is an amazingly difficult job. Because when, when things are going good, money's creating itself on its own. Okay? And then all of a sudden I go, hey, this hot dog stand pretty much sucks. You know, and I, suppose I sell it, or I, not sell it because somebody else would have to bring the cash in. If I have any money left, I put it back in the bank. Now all of a sudden, once it's back in there and, and, they, and they cancel the loan, okay, or I pay off the loan, all of a sudden now that 80 grand's not part of the system anymore. It just paid off, right? So this this goes up and down by every individual all around the country or all around the world to a certain extent. So what the Fed does is maintain the, the water level in the pool to reach certain goals. Okay, now which is hard to do. So now all of a sudden with these margin loans, if a firm calls up and says, We you know, I don't think we have any, thank God. But uh if we were call somebody, hey Jan, you know, your IBM is down to X, uh, you know, you took that loan out last week for your new car or whatever, by the way, you're down to thirty percent 
also on margin loans, I'm not talking about Bitcoin loans, if you, if you call PTI or walk in and say, I want to buy a 1,000 shares of IBM, which is, uh, what the hell is it? It's, uh, uh, I, there we are, in my Dow column, 130, let's say. You only have to send us a check for 65 grand. You can borrow, I don't want to recommend it, we don't have any clients that do this, but this happens all the time on these online firms where people just buy, buy, buy. That's what happens if you're, if your Apple runs up, you now have more buying power, you can borrow more and buy more, which is what happens. So, anyway, so you gotta send us a check for 65000 But now if IBM drops 10 bucks, I don't come dunning you. As, one of the things that changes in 1932 or whatever it was, after the big crash in 29, in those days, John, you had to maintain the 50% margin. So if the, if That's really what, what crashed the market in 29, wasn't well, it? Well, it was, the margin calls coming to it was, it was part of it, you had to maintain it. So, but now you don't. Ha- I don't have to. I PTI does not have to send you a margin notice until you're down to thirty percent. So there's a slippage there from fifty to thirty. There's, there's a difference between initial margin, which is the fifty, and maintenance margin, which is thirty. So IBM probably can drop to one ten before I got to come knocking on your door. I mean, that's I'm not, it's not exact. So I don't take that. Whatever thirty percent would be uh, before I come knocking on your door. But clearly, these these stocks we've seen. Are going from 400 to, to 50 and 80 and that kind of thing. Uh, there's there's margin issues all over the place, and then on top of this. So in other words, if I call you and you have to hustle over to Lakeside and send me a check, well, guess what? Your 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 spot at Lakeside is now is now down, right? So there's less money over at Lakeside. So we put the money in at RBC. You're you're actually losing money out of the system, right? Because you're just paying off a loan. And, and, and you've lost wealth in the IBMs, but the wealth is different than money. Gotcha. All right, so it, it gets very, very complicated. But if all this stuff happens all at the same time, and you lose, you know, four trillion dollars out of the stock market, well, a lot of that is going to be part of that was was counted as money because you, in order to meet the margin calls, you got to write these checks. So anyway, you could the, the Fed actually could be the th- the system could be draining faster than they want it to. Even to maintain money, so even though they want interest rates to go up, and they're actually trying to trying to drop the pool from X to X minus something, it might already be there. They don't want to drop too fast. So I mean, I mean, they have a real job to do. And and the weird part is, if somebody has, you know, somebody somewhere probably bought a hundred shares of Zoom or even a thousand shares at four hundred dollars, and now it's say a hundred. Now what? They're down a thousand times three hundred. It's three hundred grand. That's like a lot of dough. And if they don't have any other assets that they have, have no gains anywhere, they better live a hundred years because they can only take three thousand a year for a hundred years off their taxes. Meanwhile, the person who bought it at a hundred and sold it to you at four hundred, he's got to pay tax on the full three hundred. So, so who benefits from this? Our government. I mean, and it's scary. I mean, I don't know how big, but some of the money when Clinton was in office, um, that all of a sudden we had surpluses. I think some of that, I don't know how much, I'm not going to say a lot, was due to the fact that in the dot bomb era, some people bought stock for 50 cents and sold it for 200. They had to pay taxes, and some people bought it for 200, saw it go back to 50 cents and couldn't deduct it. You just screwed everybody. Now, if you have a, if you lose a hundred thousand on your on your portfolio, and you made a hundred grand on a second house, okay, you, you can match one against the other, and and, uh, and and you're even, right? Right. But 
you, you, the last thing you want for your population, the last thing you want, you should, because I've seen this now three times, you don't want a bubble economy, a bubble stock market that where you, where you pop the bubble and all of a sudden stuff's way down. You, you, people never catch up, John. They never catch up. Is, do you think there's anything contrived about the cryptocurrency collapse? I mean, I, I find it, I mean, I, I don't know enough about it myself, certainly, and I've been educated by listening to the show, but uh, there's something that strikes me as irrational about the whole thing. I mean, maybe the whole thing is irrational from the get-go, the concept of it, but I, I think as a result, you know, you, you got to wonder if the sudden collapse is also so irrational that it is actually contrived. Okay, remember what I j- remember, if anybody wants it, what I just said. As, as bad as the margin loan system is when a bubble bursts, there is a discipline to it. The Fed sets the margin rates that you can actually, um, if if you want to buy the IBM, whether you use IB, we have two clearing firms at PTI, whether you want to use our IB side or you want to use our RBC, World Bank of Canada side, that, because IBM is a, is a listed security, I don't know the full mechanism of this, but uh, I never worked in the back office, but basically, RBC can take that IBM stock to a bank and the bank will loan them money. Okay, so it's called a, what the word for it? Uh, something fibrication or something, 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 I'll think of it. Hypothecation. Yeah, they hypothecate right. the securities. So, now, so there's people that are, in, and, and, and everybody's, I mean, if it drops to zero tomorrow, everybody's got a problem, right? Me, the, me, the owner, RBC, probably not so much, but the bank, somewhere in there, there's a lot of losses for everybody, right? Uh, but that, doesn't usually happen to a listed security, okay? At least one that's marginable. And uh, so it's it's a problem, but it's because of the slipperiness between the 50% initial margin and 30% uh, maintenance, there's buffers in the system, okay? It's surely not perfect, and, it, and it's not crash-proof. It's no, you know, don't even think it is. But flip that to the Bitcoin side. There's not a bank on earth that's going to take that for for that kind of a loan. So the people who are loaning money on Bitcoin have had to raise capital and pay people pretty high rates of interest. I heard at one time, and they don't, don't take this to the bank, that if you bought, if you borrowed for Bitcoin, you were paying a tenth of a percent a day. Right? That's a real number. Okay, but wow. it was, yeah, 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 wow. And, uh, you know, that's, I don't know if, if that was for all of them or for maybe the ones that weren't as popular as Bitcoin, I don't know. But somewhere along the line now, there's, these people that maybe and I'm not a regulation fan, everybody knows that, but there there's people now that don't that I don't even know where the hell these loans are. So that's what I've kind of been reading every day and every little thing that even a listener sends me about the Bitcoin and some of these other things. I'm starting to figure out where some of the dominoes are, and clearly they're starting to line up. I mean, the, the one the other day I talked about was on Monday a micro strategy. Somehow or another, these guys have decided they're they're going to make more on Bitcoin than they were in their regular cloud business or something. Now, mind you, John, these guys got 2,100 employees, and but they're going to be they're going to be Bitcoin speculators. They own more Bitcoin, I think, than anybody. Well, they've got they put Bitcoin up as margin somewhere, and somebody took it, and their strike price essentially on their margin loan is about twenty two thousand. Now, these guys the other day, the dollar the dollar one where they tried to keep it equal to a buck. Uh, those guys, some of the, the margin they put up to keep theirs at a buck is Bitcoin. And now that thing just cracked below like 30 cents or something. So, so if, if there's a, if there's some kind of a 
well, it wouldn't be a margin call because it's not officially margin. If there's some kind of a call there that causes Bitcoin to drop to like 24 or heaven forbid 22, and all of a sudden these, this micro strategy place has to puke theirs out at 22, it's starting to line up like a damn of dominoes, isn't it? And then there's got to be hundreds of other places that I don't even know about. I know that the guys on the, the umpire uniform insignia, that's what they do. They provide financing for, for bitcoins and trade for it. Now, you know, how, how deep this is and how much of a problem it really is, I don't know. But that's what I pay the Fed to know. Do they know? Or do they even care? Or even looking at it? That's why I pay those people, <laughs> right? Or you pay them. They're supposed to know. Where's all this money coming from and who's at risk? That's their job, man. Yeah. One of them. Yo. Yeah. Well, you look at the, at the mortgage stuff, and still people will tell you that the problem in 2007 and 2008 was was Jose getting a mortgage he didn't deserve or something like that, or Susie the stewardess that was flipping houses. That was a problem, Jen, but it wasn't. It was $1. The $35 of leverage on top of the $1, that was the real problem for the, for the, the, the extent of the crash it was. And all that money was coming from Japan, or a lot of it where people are borrowing at 2% and investing here at 6 Even you and I can make money doing that. And the Fed should be all over that because they, they know where every dollar is coming from overseas, back and forth. They should be getting a report one, one meeting and go, what the bleep is this? Why, why are all these people coming over here with all this money? Well, they're buying all these mortgages. Why are they doing that? Well, they make 4% on money they don't even own. I mean, that's, that's not something you and I can do. I mean, that's not. I mean, and, and and that's why maybe that's one of the reasons why the houses ran up so much because people are more than willing to loan people money for them. But the fact is, that's an aberration. You know, it, it's something. If, if this if this money all of a sudden has a trillion some dollars in these bitcoins, and and it turns out that half of it's borrowed, God, Jan, I mean, I don't know what you do about it as the Fed, but you you better be very very aware and have your your your, your plan in place if it ever fell apart. What you're going to do. And I don't well, and nobody talks about any of this time except you. <laughs> what, what does that put me? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I I don't hear any any kind of even broad analysis of any of this on any of of the news programs that even have a financial corner as part of their programming. They don't ever you know discuss the kind of obligations that the Fed has and whether they're actually doing what they're interested to do and what the recourse is if they're not doing it and you know are there are there ways to predict the course there are what you know what's going to happen if you have somebody not minding the store but um I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted at how clear a lot of this is and how maybe it's, it's the clarity of it that makes it impossible for anybody to bring it up because it will give people the heebie-jeebies. Well, I was I used to, I used to be invited on uh, Joan Esposito's show. She got a great show. Joan's terrific, and it's but it's you know it's more of every man, right? And uh, so <laughs> one day she starts. She says to me, "Well, you know, I don't have any. Uh, I'm so happy I don't have any debt." And I said, "What do you mean you don't have any debt?" <laughs> she goes, "Well, I don't know anybody anything." I go, "Yeah, you do." <laughs> she says. Uh, wh- wh- why are you telling me? Why? I said, Todd, your your debt, your the debt per taxpayer from the federal government is two hundred and forty two grand. Last time I checked, you're a taxpayer. And she goes, I, I never even thought of it. <laughs> to say I'm, well, who who wants you to think about that? Yeah, no. <laughs> plus, well, let's put it this way: I haven't been invited back. <laughs> <laughs> Tough truths, Tom. Yeah, what do you mean? I mean, you know, the federal government, two hundred forty-two grand. 
She's like, wow. <laughs> well, why would you think of that? I mean, I'm not, I'm not blaming her. I, mean, I really like her. I mean, why would you think of that instead of some goofball like me told you? Well, it gives people the illusion that they're in control of their future if they're doing certain things, you know, to pre- prevent you know, being exposed. And all this, you know, the, the, your individual role in the national debt is never talked about. It's never explained. And the consequences of it certainly are never talked about or for the next generation or the generation after that. Um, so I think that there's a, a total disinformation campaign that has made people sort of insulated from all of this to their detriment. The Ministry of Truth. John, maybe, yep. I'll, maybe I'll see you this weekend. Who knows? If the weather stays nice, maybe I can drag you downtown for outside on Friday or something. We'll see. Yeah, that's a possibility. All right, bud, take care of yourself. SP Futures down 32. NASDAQ Futures down 183. We've stopped going down, but we haven't gone back up. We'll be back tomorrow with Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. My advice to you, start drinking heavily.